Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, on the ones and twos, super producer Brandon Newman and my father, Mike Golick Sr., who is now on day two of his Home Alone experience. Dad, I understand you got a whole posse of dogs hanging out with you this morning, too, so you've tried to erase that gap of where they could potentially destroy stuff. So good to know at the end of the show yesterday, while Ted had a shoe in his mouth, uh, he did not damage it at all. I believe it was one of your shoes, by the way. So I'm going to probably leave it down on the floor as one of his shoe toys. So again, for anybody that may not know, I have a 12-year-old pug, Hank, a 6-year-old pug, Harry, and a 2-year-old English Bulldog, Ted, who, as I said, is a downhill linebacker. He is straight ahead into everything and does nothing but cause trouble. But they are around me right now at my feet, hanging out. So at this point, we're good. If I lose them and it stays silent, you may see me disappear for a while because if he chews something while your mother is gone, that is my head that's on the platter. 
Yeah, we had uh, Sean Davenport uh, on Twitter, and at Gojo Show on Twitter is where you can get us from the other day. I believe was the one who said, as a fellow owner of flat-faced snorting dogs, the minute you don't hear the heavy breathing and the panting from pugs and bulldogs, you know something wicked this way is coming. That's pretty. That's pretty yeah. standard for this. Those yeah. breeds. It's exactly right. Exactly right. So right now we're good. So let's hope it stays that way. All right, well, the other thing we have is a great show for you guys. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us a five-star rating. Check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. And again, we'll keep hammering it home because it's new, and we want everyone to know they've got options. You can also catch us on Samsung TV Plus and DraftKingsNetwork.com live 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. Uh, excited to talk to uh, Anish Roth, uh, ESPN and Carolina Panthers play-by-play announcer who's heading to championship weekend for College of the Cross, one of my favorite weekends of the year on the men's side. Um, we got the women's side getting ready to go as well this weekend, but Dad, our Notre Dame Irish are in there, and we got to find out if this is going to be the year or not. Nobody is as good an ambassador for the sport who didn't play it himself as Anish Roth is, and so excited to get his temperature on this. He's seen Notre Dame plenty this year, the Notre Dame-Virginia-Duke triumvirate that sat atop the sport. And Dad, you know this, when we moved to Connecticut when we were kids in like third grade, lacrosse was really starting to pick up out there around our age group, and championship weekend was something I went to in middle school and high school, and you got to see kind of firsthand how this sport turns its championship event into kind of a celebration a sort of all-star weekend type celebration of the entire sport. I mean, getting to know this sport when we moved to Connecticut, uh, because we were in Arizona before that, and it certainly was not out there at that point, at least certainly not to the point it is on the East Coast. And we got there. I managed you guys in Little League Baseball, uh, which was fine. <laughs> you know, you get to manage your kids and hang out and, and, and watch them play and grow. It's a, it's a cool thing. But when you guys saw lacrosse and saw, wait a minute, I can carry a stick basically hit somebody with it and knock people down as well, uh, you guys switch sports. And I was pretty stoked about that. So, of course, I wanted to be a coach, but I knew nothing about lacrosse, nothing. So, you know, Bobby Olson, who coached the team, very good dude. He was great with you guys. He let me be an assistant coach. But basically, that was just to man the penalty box, which your brother Jake was in all the time because he just liked to run kids over. Uh, but it's such a great sport, Mike. And then when you room with... Uh, your buddy Sean Rogers, who was on the lacrosse team at Notre Dame, and you got into lacrosse and we started following it. We, we follow it so much now. I think it is such a great sport to watch, obviously, the grown-ups play, but for kids, it is such a great developmental sport of hand-eye coordination, of foot movement, you know, of contact as well. So I love the sport. I'm just, I, you know, it's one thing if Notre Dame can beat Virginia, and it's hard for a team like Virginia, any team to beat a team three times in a year, and that's what Virginia would do if they beat Notre Dame. But then if we get by Virginia, it's like deja vu with Duke again, because I will never forget, was it 2010? Overtime, face-off, long stick dude from Duke wins a face-off, goes down and scores in like eight seconds, and it was over. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So there's like the Duke deja vu if we're to get by Virginia because if Duke beats Penn State. Yeah, which they're expected to heavy favorites in yeah. that run. C.J. Costable is the name of that particular long pole. Scoring in a game that set <laughs> offensive lacrosse back in the modern era probably 200 years. I was on the 50-yard line at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore where Champ Weekend was that weekend, watching in stunned disbelief next to my buddy Eric Ringle as Notre Dame got taken down in that game. So fingers crossed we'll reverse that. We also got plenty to get into uh, with the NFL, some exciting looks at Lamar Jackson and the new-look Ravens 
Ravens offense, a little bit of NBA. But, Dad, if we're talking about stick sports with some excitement, good Lord, Matthew Kachuk is on one this postseason. We didn't have any NBA last night, and it didn't matter. One South Florida team felt like taking care of business, and that would be the Florida Panthers. They take down the Hurricanes 4-3 to complete the sweep and get ready to meet whoever comes out of the Vegas-Dallas series that Vegas leads 3-0. But, Dad, ice water in his veins, man. Matthew Kachuk with, what, 4.3 seconds left in a game knotted up, looks like it's going to overtime, curls around the net, holds it just long enough, could have pulled the trigger on the shot earlier to just get something up, and instead waits, waits, waits like an arrow in a movie, uh, bat, you know, the yeah. Battle of Helm's Deep, the arrow waiting, waiting in the quiver to finally pull the trigger and, and absolutely nails it. That was as exciting a finish as we've seen in a postseason full of exciting finishes. So this is a team that was down 3-1 to Boston in the first round. Boston, again, right, President's Trophy, best record. You know, the only thing they had to do then was cap it off, though a lot of President's Trophy winners have not gone on to win the Stanley Cup. And and Florida's down 3-1 in that. Since then, they've gone 11-1. and 11-1 and as an eight seed. And now we're in the Stanley Cup Finals waiting the winner of what looks like it's going to be uh, Las Vegas over Dallas. But what Kachuk has done, remember Kachuk last year, he was in Calgary. He turned down a long-term deal with the Flames. He was, he was considered what they called a pest on the ice, is what yeah. kind of what his moniker was. And he didn't sign the long-term deal, so that facilitated a trade to Florida. And he's been unbelievable. I mean, you, again, you look in this series, four overtimes in that first game, he scores with about 12, 15 seconds to go at the end of the fourth overtime before it goes to overtime number five. Second game, he scored 151 into the first overtime for a game winner. Third game, they win one nothing, And then this one, Carolina gets called for a tripping penalty with 57 seconds to go. So it's a power play to end out regulation for Florida. And as you mentioned it, right at the end in the front of the net, he waits on that on that shot and just flicks it in for the win. I mean, it, really incredible what they've done. Uh, it, it, it's been fun to watch as a team, again, down in the first round to what was considered the best team. That was considered. They were the best team in the NHL and the Bruins, and they come back from 3-1. And like I said, after being down 3-1, 11-1 since then. 11-1 and one against the top three teams in the East. Yes, so they went yes. through everybody in there, and now they're back in the Stanley Cup Final for the first time in 27 years. So an insane accomplishment for also the last team to qualify for the postseason in the NHL. Also, right, they were right. limping into this after a season where they lifted the President's Trophy last year. And so it's insane how it worked out. Rats all over the ice. Uh, I saw Brooks Kepka was back in there losing yeah. his bleeping mind. No one's enjoyed their PGA Championship win quite as much as Brooks. I hope he's blinked <laughs> at some point in the last couple of days, too. Um, it, by the way, Dad, I don't know if you saw, so that final goal, and this shows you how much hockey I've watched this year consistently, the final goal there, there was a look at they thought maybe goalie interference. There was a lot of crowding around right. the crease there. And so they went and looked. I love that the NHL calls their penalty review the situation room. They're not going to yeah. some arbitrary place in New York or New Jersey. Or They've got a full-blown situation room right now. So the NHL getting political in the name of goal reviews is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Love that. Everybody's got the different thing for their review. Still the best review in all the sports is tennis, without question. You get oh, that yeah. review in five seconds, and it's over. I mean, it's fantastic. But again, 
it's a little easier because it's one ball and a bunch of lines, you know, where you see the ball hit. But the technology but get, is fantastic. You get the cool visual there, too. I forget the name of that system that they use, but it is awesome. I will say, though, there's one thing that rubbed me the wrong way about the whole sequence at the end of this for Matthew Kachuk. It was the post-game interview he did with Wayne Gretzky and the TN2 studio crew. I believe we have that sound of Matthew Kachuk and what Wayne Gretzky decided to dump in his laugh in a wonderful moment in his life. Matthew Wayne here. Congratulations. You're playing unbelievable. And more importantly, it's great for your Thank team you. and great for the city. But you've had a lot of responsibility in this series. Remember, your biggest job now is to take care of your dad tonight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Bill. It's funny. It's funny how it works that way. You know, it's uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll make a deal with him. I'll take care of him tonight. All Hopefully right. in a few weeks he can good. be uh, taking care of me. Good luck. <laughs> See, I don't get this at all. That young man's been out here accomplishing. He goes nuts that night, and now he's supposed to foot the bill for his dad to go get drunk with his boys. This is like when you hit a hole-in-one in golf, and you're supposed to be the one that goes inside and pays for anyone's drinks. It's ass-backwards, and I won't stand for it. You greedy dads out here just continuing to take and take from your loving sons. It's unbelievable. Hey! Hey, that was that was perfect by Wayne Gretzky. You take care of your father. You're young. You're successful. You should be taking care of your father. Gretzky and, and Keith Kachuk, who I've talked about, you know, played in our assorted Wayne. Um, and Wayne was one. Wayne's was one of the first hockey sticks I ever got. It was very cool to meet him. But I'm glad. Don't forget about the older generation. Listen, we made you. You take care of us. That's the bottom line. I mean, it just, it seems like you're asking a little bit much. I saw he had great seats in the stands that night already. He was having a great time with his buddies. He was creating a core memory. And now you got to go pay for all of them to tie one on after the game. So <laughs> hopefully someone along the way, I'm sure Matthew's not going to struggle to be able to get a drink in that city for a pretty affordable no. price if he wants it. It was cool hearing Wayne Gretzky tell the story also. He said he went golfing with Matthew Kachuk and a couple of the guys from the Panthers back in February, trying to get to know them at a point where they weren't having as much success during the season and Matthew said we're a bit banged up right now we are capable of so much more than we have showed right now and we're going to put that on display and man alive that's Babe Ruth calling your shot if I've ever seen it so congratulations <laughs> to the Panthers and the Levitard crew moving on to the first Stanley Cup final in 27 years all right guys let's talk about Jägermeister they could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. All right, we always like to give you a peek behind the curtain when we can here. Uh, during the last segment, my father unplugged his own internet, tried to look around and blame everybody involved in the show but himself, 
and now has recruited our sweet 12-year-old punk pug Hank, who is the light of my life, who is the most important person in my world. You've now brought him on camera to try and blame him for what you've done inside your own basement. He knocked out the cord. He was trying to get up on my lap. And when I didn't pick him up, he walked away. And all of a sudden, I saw the cord undone like he did it on purpose. Like, okay, if you're not going to pick me up, I'm going to sabotage your show, which is exactly what he did. And you know what? He doesn't care. He's 12. He doesn't care. He does what he wants to do. And that's okay because he's our hanky. Oh, he's the sweetest baby angel on planet Earth. So, yes, if he wants to shut the show down, maybe we're not doing a good enough show. And maybe that's an indication of that. So, Hank, I'm sorry we interrupted your morning. I'm sorry Dad interrupted you by taking you up in his lap. He looks exhausted. I don't know what you've kind of house you're running over there while Mom's gone. But figure it out, all right? Figure it out. In the meantime... um, Dad, I, I don't know if you saw, there was a pair of things in the NBA. It was really interesting around this time of year. I saw J.J. Redick talking about this the other day, and I saw Charles Barkley talking about this the other day. The way that the NBA is covered as we get deeper and deeper into the postseason. You saw Chuck go on TNT and talk about turning off some sort of daytime show and discuss because he believed they should be discussing the Denver Nuggets after they went out and gave the Lakers a nice sweep out of the playoffs, but instead everyone's talking about LeBron James and will he, won't he retire. You've got Kyrie Irving going on Instagram Live the other day. I'm a free agent this summer, but I am in no rush to make a decision. And uh, the speculation around my name from all these individuals that get on TV and have these personalities, um, all these people that have you know, these platforms. And, and I'm talking about the TV personalities, the, the sports folk that try to mix sports with politics and lifestyle and shit like that. Like when they speak on my name and, and, and they're talking about um, potential teams that I'm going to, can y'all please, I respectfully, like I'm asking you, please stop paying attention to that. Like I am in no rush to make a decision. Talking about and asking people to not talk about his free agency on TV, online, stop tagging him in things telling the talking heads don't believe a word they're saying on these shows and trying to protect his peace as he heads into free agency. You've been doing this a lot longer than I have. So where are you on this, especially the notion Kyrie Irving brings up, trying to get people to basically shut it down, acting like people shouldn't be talking about his business the way that they are online and on TV? Dude, get over it. This is the public forum out there in Twitter and Instagram, which you're on, by the way. You're on it. You're involved in it. You're part of it. So everything is public now. So to think that fans and people aren't going to comment, analysts, whoever, aren't going to comment on you as you're sitting front and center at a Lakers game um, and you've played with LeBron before, that stuff isn't going to be brought up. You, You bring more attention to yourself, and maybe that's what he wants, I don't know, by doing what you did, by asking everybody basically keep basically pull the will smith and keep my name out your mouth right that's basically what he's what he said or yeah keep my keep my wife's name out your mouth but that's but in this day and age i don't want to hear it because athletes entertainers anybody can go on and push whatever narrative they want to push but when they don't like something somebody else is doing publicly on in a public forum they want to complain about it. So lose me with that. You do more harm than good by coming out and saying, stop talking about me and, or stop doing this, doing that. Give me a break. You just deal with it. Don't, don't answer it. Don't, don't react to it. And it goes away a hell of a lot quicker. 
Yeah, it's one of those things where, and you know this, I always skew in favor of the athlete and protecting their peace. We talk so much more about mental health now and the way that these systems affect everyone because is it a lot of attention all the time, especially in the internet age? But the way he framed it was, I got people at my dinner table because of y'all asking me about my free agency. It's one of those things, it's not a perfect system, and I understand it is asking a lot of people, but at the same time, it's probably not a system you're going to change tomorrow or be able to affect meaningfully like that tomorrow. It's a system that has also made the NBA as insanely popular as it is. Like, this is one of those things, to Charles's point and to Kyrie's point, if you've got a beef about the way that the NBA is covered, unfortunately, it's like Major League Baseball beefing about the steroid era. It's helped make you what you are right now. And for the NBA, right, wrong, or indifferent, there's been a lean-in by everybody involved into the off-season drama, the free agent drama, this whole cycle of news that starts basically once we finish in June and goes through the summer. That's become a huge driver for interest around the league because, like the draft, it presents opportunity for all these other fan bases who do think that they're in the Kyrie Irving sweepstakes or the next sweepstakes for a superstar that's potentially disgruntled. And so it's one of those things that the call is kind of coming from inside the house on that front. Yeah, I mean, the, the bottom line is that there are two sports that are year-round. Football, without question, with the other things that are going on between you know the combine and free agency and the draft. And basketball, with these players now having such a the ability to create teams together, it's become an off-season thing. So I, I guess to, to my point, Mike, and this, this is where I've come, instead of years ago, I might have complained about this stuff, but this is where we are. You know what's not going away? Twi- well, I say Twitter, but you know, with yeah. Elon Musk, who knows? <laughs> He's never known at this gonna, point, yeah. But <laughs> social, media, social media is not going away. It's not. So to sit there and say, don't do this, don't do that publicly, it's not going to work, Kyrie. Just because you said it, people aren't going to say, oh, let's leave him alone. It doesn't work that way. Because I'm with you. I'm, I, I like to side with the player. But this is our era. It's like when, when I started the show with Tony Bruno way back when at ESPN, we were still taking faxes. And the fax would fall behind the fax machine and the paper would roll up. And, you know, that's how we lived to when I finished with you and Trey. And it was instant with Twitter or Instagram and such. It, some of it I may not have liked, but if you don't understand, this is where we are now. This is where we are. People are going to comment on you publicly. You're a public figure in a very, very popular game. This is how it's going to work. So complaining about it, in my eyes, does you absolutely no good. It's not going to change a thing. It, it, it's not. And it's, you know, it's finding ways to manage it as you go along with the parts right. that you can control. It is asking the people around you. It's why every building and every athletic facility has that sign of block out the noise. And Kyrie admitted as much. He's like, I see all of it. It's the thing that we, I think, want to hear from athletes more often than not who say, well, I don't watch any of that. I don't hear any of that. It's not true. It's almost impossible for it to not get in. And it's not discounting that it's difficult. But it's also, I think, in a situation where as long as no one's being disrespectful as long as right. people aren't running up on him in the streets there's a line for all of this as we can try and keep that back and play the game that we know is also a part of building up these leagues the interactions with the media have traditionally been things that have helped do that as players have taken right. more control and maybe this is where Kyrie feels emboldened now guys are looking and saying maybe I can dictate the flow of this a little bit more than we have at the past it's very interesting but it does also lead us back to 
we do have a basketball game tonight to Charles Point, to Kyrie's Point, and everything else. And so as tantalizing as these things are, we've also got Game 5 of Celtics Heat. And I wonder if there's a little bit of nerves in the air in South Beach. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Uh, so as mentioned, we do have Game 5 coming up tonight in the NBA's Eastern Conference Finals to see who's going to go and we think get toe-tapped, uh, toe-tagged by the Denver Nuggets, but... Dad, 3-1 lead for the Miami Heat. They let the Boston Celtics get one back in. The Celtics head back home to Boston where they're now 4-4 four and four at home during the postseason this year. Are you giving them any shot in the game tonight where, yet again, they are, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, eight-point favorites? Yeah, much to Jimmy Butler's delight so he can use that. Uh, yeah, listen, I mean, we know what kind of team they have when they're on. It comes down to, and let's see. Remember, in the last game, they outscored Miami by 30 points at the three-point line. So let's see how well they hit their threes. That's where they like to play their game. Uh, so l- let's see what they can do. And let's see if my- Miami's three-point shooting was awful the last game. So does Boston have a chance? Yes. But, you know, we have the stat of what? 0-150 or 151 of coming back from three down. To win four in a row as opposed to the other team winning one is extremely difficult. It hasn't been done in basketball. We know it's been done in baseball. Um, so, yeah, it, it's difficult to think they could, could do it. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if they were to win another game. But to win three more, I, I don't see that happening, to be that consistent in those three games, the way Miami is able to play at times. So, yeah, they might get another one tonight, and then Miami can have a chance to end it uh, in Miami. If for somehow, some way, Boston gets a couple and we go to Game 7 back in Boston, that would be something else. Yeah, I, I think the Heat end it tonight. I think that once I saw Boston favored and by that margin at home again, yeah. it all seemed to crumble because, yeah, they, they flipped the script. And going back into the rest of this series, through the first three games of the series, and I had to go and write it down here, Miami had shot 40%, 47% from three to Boston's 29%. During the regular season, Boston had been outside of Golden State, one of the teams more reliant on the three ball than anybody else. And in game four, they flipped the script completely. Miami shot 20, uh, 40%. Or excuse me, Miami shot 25% from three. Boston shot 40%. Looked more like themselves, but it was all predicated on the aggressiveness from Tatum and Brown. It was those guys getting into the lane, especially Tatum, getting in near the elbow, being able to kick it out to guys. Some bad decisions. 
some bad decision-making by Miami as far as how they closed out on guys, and the rest was history. That's the thing that I cannot, as someone who's watched enough of the Celtics team to know better this year, consistently count on in this postseason is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to be the type of aggressive that we saw last game because much like Anthony Davis in that seesaw of offensive production, these guys have not been, in my mind, consistently reliable as the <laughs> offensive initiators for this team. My favorite term, as we're getting ready to talk lacrosse at some point soon, party starter. Jason Tatum needs to be the party starter, and he does not consistently enough show up with the keg. Say, I think I think the word consistently has come up a couple of times, and I think that's obviously the key. And in a seven-game series, if it's to go seven, that's what you need. Consi- that's why you have these series. Normally, the better team ends up winning by playing consistently the way they're normally playing in the regular season into the postseason to win these things. But, you know, you, you see, and this is what impressed me with Boston in the last game, was as opposed to game three when they just got thumped. They were mentally weak. They just, it was a horrible performance. The mental weakness obviously bled into physical, you know, lack of hustle and lack of intensity that we saw, where in game four, when they're playing for their lives, I thought it interesting when they were down nine in the third, they go on that 18-0 run. You know, that they had the, the mental wherewithal and the fortitude to, to not, because that's a lot of times what you see. When the hope of them winning, the, the stats are so stacked against them. Then they're losing in the third quarter, albeit by, by under double digits, but still losing. I always talk about this when you start to take the wind out of the sails of a team that's in a bad position. And I thought Boston was going to basically mentally and physically fold again at that point. But they didn't. They made that run. They got that lead. The game got closer again. But they had that fight to which, again, I said, where was that in Game 3, as Celtic fans were saying, when it was 2-0 and we could have made it 2-1? Where was that fight that we had in Game 4 on the brink of elimination? It, 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 uh, it wasn't there in Game 3. So let's see. But the bottom line to me, again, is the shots falling. You mentioned the three-point line and the percentage. Let's see where that goes tonight. Because it can be as simple as at times of we had the shots and they didn't fall, Right? We, we had the shots, we had the looks we wanted, we had the person shooting the ball we wanted to shoot the ball, and the shots just didn't fall. And that happens. They, I need to go back and look at points off turnovers too because another part of that in addition to shots falling and not was also – Boston's defensive effort turning Miami over a lot there was a lot of really sloppy play by the heat during that run that you talked about the Celtics made and so I I think this ultimately boils down to we're going to get a more dialed in version of a heat team that looked sloppy in critical moments and part of that is also going on the road like dad I don't know where you fell on that but I always sneaky liked going on the road a little bit more I felt like in general and this doesn't necessarily apply to teams that are accomplishing on a high level because you should be consistent in your approach but I don't know for me personally I always enjoyed that feeling of feeling like you were in a bunker it was that sort of Leonidas 300 style thing where it was you and the group that you rolled into town with against everybody else I always say Michigan State was my favorite example of this because we stepped off the bus for the game day and literally an eight-year-old flipped me off in Spartan Green and you kind of get that realization that it is you against everybody else here and something about that sort of sharpens senses a little bit more I don't know how it was for you you oh you I loved going on the road and trying to shut a home crowd up without question you're right you're everybody's bunkered at the hotel it's you against the world you know when you go outside those doors that you know everybody's you know throwing the garbage at you 
Oh, uh, there was a lot of satisfaction in that of going on the court, the ice, the field, whatever it was, in somebody else's stadium and putting it to them. Now, the other side of that is you'd like like to win it in front of your home crowd as well and do that celebration. But I think deep down for a player, there is some great satisfaction with going on the road and taking care of a team on the road, taking taking the fans out of it to the point maybe, and we've seen it, we've seen it in Boston where the home tri- team gets booed, right? They're, where they're getting yeah. booed because of their play. So I, I guarantee you a visiting team takes a hell of a lot of satisfaction in that. Yeah, they're, that's the, I think, NBA equivalent of making them tap out. It's a beautiful, beautiful yeah. sight. So we'll wait to see how that goes tonight again, game five. I, I'm Dad, I'm picking the Heat. Who are you picking in this game? I think I'm going with the Heat as well. We, Boston has certainly shown they can lose at home. And it's I, I'll continue to say it's a matter of when, not if, Miami closes this thing out. And I absolutely see them understanding that, hey, we, we can't we, – Boston's breathing a little bit. It's a faint heartbeat. We can't let we can't let it get better. We can't let the heartbeat get stronger. You got to close this thing off before it goes on. So I think Miami ends it as well. Yeah, we don't want full Undertaker coming out of the casket. Dot gif on this one. If you're a Miami yeah. sports fan. Um, all right. With all that in mind, let's get to the real crown jewel of the weekend. We talked about it off top a little bit. We've got the NCAA lacrosse final fours and men's and women's going on this weekend. The men's tournament going to be in Philadelphia. And that is where we meet, I believe, oh, in transit. Uh, good friend, former colleague, Anish Shroff, who is play-by-play announcer for ESPN and the Carolina Panthers. Anish, are you on the road to Philly right now? I am on the road. I decided to make this a uh, family trip. It's my wife's birthday tomorrow, and generally championship weekend forces me to miss her birthday. So this year I said, hey, let's just bring the whole gang. Right before I jumped on, bring a bagel for my daughter. She's yelling at me because the iPad is not on the right profile. So um, you're about to get some serious dad energy on the show right now. It's amazing, Anish, how, and I found this with the boys in Sydney growing up, that they don't care that you're on your way to do something very big or when I was going to call a game. They want theirs, right? They want their iPad. They want their food. They want everything from dad, and you have to provide. Yeah, their priorities are way different than mine. She wants to watch Harry Potter and Brave or whatever she's got on the iPad. And basically, I'm just like a conduit right now. My wife is driving, wondering when I'm going to be off this call so she can <laughs> yell at me about something. You know, that that's just what this road trip is. You've been there. Have you found a babysitter for Friday night is what I need to know. <laughs> uh, we think so. We think we got one. But, uh, you know, you were option number one. You were option number one. Athena loves hanging out with you. She thought you two could go maybe get some donuts, which is her favorite pastime and yours. And uh, after watching Harry Potter the other night, uh, she felt that you bore a striking resemblance to Hagrid. And, and I'm stunned to hear that has never once been one of your Halloween costumes. I know. Major failing on my part, and I've got to remedy that this year, if nothing else, for Athena. So we'll work on that. I'm glad you've worked on the babysitter situation. Let's work on Champ Weekend, Anish. Just big picture. This sport, I said, kind of turns its championship weekend into a celebration, an all-star weekend. What to you stands out and makes Champ Weekend and lacrosse so different? 
Well, the one thing is um, Memorial Day weekend, there's a lot of patriotism that comes out. There's a lot of flavor that comes out. But to me, it's the stage. For most of the year, this is a sport that, if I'm being honest, it's played somewhat in the shadows. And this is the one opportunity for the sport to really grow. It's bigger than professional lacrosse. It's bigger than any other form of the sport. Like we talk about March Madness, it's not bigger than the NBA Finals. It's not. In lacrosse, the biggest version, the most popular version of the sport is the college version, Championship Weekend. It gives us windows on ESPN, ESPN2, that we just don't have in the regular season. And you get to showcase the best of the best to the broadest audience possible that you just don't get in the regular season. Anish, because of the normal top teams and where they're from, is there still a regional factor in lacrosse that hurts it overall nationally? No, there's not. What's happened is the sport has grown so much geographically where now you look around, take these Ivy League schools that aren't even in the championship weekend field, for example. They got kids from California and Washington and Texas and Florida. There are kids from all over the map. Um, from, yeah, I wouldn't say all 50 states, but you got the West Coast represented. The Midwest, it's growing. It's not just Long Island and Baltimore and Central New York like it used to be. Now, you'll watch Duke, you'll watch Notre Dame. They're, yeah, there's a heavy Long Island flavor on those teams. But they also have kids from Texas and Florida and the West Coast. So uh, geographically, it's certainly become more diversified. Demographically, we got some work to do. But geographically, the sport is spreading. Uh, you mentioned that spread of the sport, grow the game is something we always hear about that. And usually that comes from the stars. You can think of the Thompson brothers from back in the day, the Powells at Syracuse. If you were appointing people who are coming to the sport for the first time this weekend, their introduction, what's your sell as far as the stars that can help grow the game this weekend? Yeah, there's a lot of them, which is awesome. Uh, start with Brennan O'Neill. This kid is basically Thanos with a lacrosse stick. Um, just built differently. Most of his goals are unassisted. This kid committed to Penn State, actually, as an eighth grader. Ended up going to Duke. Duke will play Penn State in one of the semifinals. Came to college, and if you're going to draw an analogy, almost with, like, LeBron James type of hype coming out of high school. You know, this is the prince that was promised. This was the next great player. And in some ways, he surpassed expectations, which were ridiculous to begin with. So you got him. You got Connor Schellenberger, who's like this maestro. He's this surgeon. He was the most outstanding player of championship weekend as a redshirt freshman two years ago. I'm not sure there's a better facilitator and orchestrator of an offense in the game right now than him. He plays for Virginia. And then Pat Cavanaugh, who I'm sure you guys love watching at Notre Dame. You know, this kid is just stone cold, old school. He and his brother, Chris Cavanaugh, will do things on the field where there's this sixth sense, this ESP between them, like the Thompsons, like the Powells, like the Gates. Uh, it's just unique. There's a creativity. There's a flair. There's a tenaciousness. Uh, they ride, which is essentially the equivalent of pressing in basketball. Uh, the way they do it, they're like banshees and piranhas. So you, know, you got the Cavanaugh brothers. You got Schellenberger. You've got Brennan O'Neill, and then you've got a host of other players who I, 10 years from now, we're going to look back and, on some of these games and go, whoa, I mean, look at the talent that we had concentrated in Philadelphia on one weekend. 
Yeah, the Kavanaugh family at Notre Dame has been incredible. All right, Anish, let, let's get through the Penn State-Duke game quickly because Mike and I don't care about it, um, but everybody else should care about it. Uh, how much of an upset would this be if Penn State were to knock off Duke? Probably one of the biggest upsets we've seen on championship weekend. Uh, Penn State's top defender got hurt last week. His status is unclear. They need everybody that they can get. Uh, it's going to be hard to match up man for man with Duke. The one area where Penn State does have an advantage matchup wise is goalie. They've got one of the best goalies, maybe you know, one of the top two goalies left. Liam Entenmitt of Notre Dame is very good, but this Frassian kid is incredible. He's going to have to stand on his head and maybe make 20, 25 saves uh, for Penn State to have a chance in this game. But they are a massive underdog. The one thing they have, Penn State has a large Philadelphia alumni base. They will be the de facto home team this weekend. Going to be interesting for them to try and weaponize that. The same way last weekend we saw Johns Hopkins try and do that in Annapolis as they took on Notre Dame in the quarterfinals. Notre Dame now facing Virginia, the only team they lost to during this regular season. So, Anish, give it to us straight. You've been one of the biggest proponents going back to last year's Notre Dame snub from the tournament. What are the chances for the Irish to go and dogpile this thing and get through to Monday? If I'm being honest, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard because you got to go through a Virginia team that is built to stop Notre Dame. What they have, they've got a 6'5 and 6'7 defenseman who match up real well with the Kavanaugh's. One of the guys, Cole Kastner, who's 6'7, he's a junior, he's from California. This kid wants to play college basketball, Division One. maybe as soon as next year or after he's done at Virginia. He could have walked on to the Virginia basketball team for Tony Bennett, but his class schedule conflicted with practice. So this kid is an elite athlete. He's not just some plodding 6'7 big guy who throws checks. He can move. So defensively, Virginia has pieces to match up with Notre Dame's best players on offense. And then the way Notre Dame's defense is constructed, I equate it to the Death Star, where there is a weakness, and they, and they make you, you know, fire that little missile into that really small hole, and you got to get in the middle of it. Virginia's got the pieces to do that. They move so well. They've got a great passer, and they've got two great inside finishers. So it's going to be hard to get past Virginia. The other part is it's the second semifinal. There's a significant disadvantage in playing game two. It's less rest, especially when you got the quick turnaround. And looking at the temperatures, Monday's a hot day. So whoever comes out of that second semifinal, to me, is up against it in that game Monday, especially if they're playing Duke. And then if Notre Dame, if they get past Virginia, now you play Duke. Yes, they beat Duke in the regular season. They've had Duke's number the last couple of years. But again, short rest. And if you look at history, I mean, Mike, Duke has been the bet noir for Notre Dame lacrosse. Going back to 2010, national championship, Duke beats Notre Dame in overtime on a long pole goal. That's a long stick defenseman scoring a goal. They beat Notre Dame. Three times in the quarterfinals since then, again in the championship in 2014. They've knocked Notre Dame out of the tournament five times starting 2010. So for Notre Dame, this will be the ultimate exorcism. Can you beat a Virginia team that has you know, beaten you, what, four or five times in a row? And then can you beat Duke, the team that has haunted you in May over the last 15 years? Uh, Mike, I, I really like Anish. He's, uh, I consider him a friend, but I, I'm done talking to him. So you go ahead and finish this. <laughs> I didn't like any of those answers. <laughs> Goodbye.
it got way too real, <laughs> way too quick. But guys, that is all the more reason. If you need any more of a sell, you must not have a heartbeat. Champ Weekend's going to be awesome, and you're going to get to hear Anisha's voice all weekend long. Anish, thanks so much for the time, buddy. Safe travels. Tell Athena and Faye I said hi, and hope you guys have a great time. All right. Hope to see you there Monday. Fingers crossed from his lips to God's ears. Uh, again, Anish wow. Rock. Wow. Oh, that was, was a, my former It was a great day, breakdown. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great breakdown, but I hated it. Um, uh, it. I know you were in the booth with him. I know you love – that was so cool when you were calling – you were like the third person in the booth calling lacrosse games, kind of giving that everyman view. That was uh, that was fun to listen to and fun to watch. And Anish does such a great job with it. Like I said, he broke that down a little too well, so I wasn't really excited about it. Yeah, it, exactly. And, and Notre Dame, Duke, and Virginia, that's been basically the three teams yep. alternating at one overall in the sport on the men's side all year. We'll see if we can track Stugatz down tomorrow to try and give us a little bit of a women's preview heading into Final Four week. And as we know, he's got his built-in excuse to miss everything in his life coming up championship yeah. weekend. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIC. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. All right, after some sobering champ weekend truth in the world of lacrosse, it's time to land the plane and finish this the way we always do. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you off into the rest of your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star rating, and tell us what you want to hear more of next. And, Dad, why don't we start off this with a little bit of what we're watching. Uh, very excited for this one. What we're watching is presented by Max, my first pick for winning entertainment. Max has HBO, hit series, movies, plus favorites from the DC Universe, Discovery, and more. Max, the one to watch. Subscription required, visit max.com. We're all Monster Succession fans around here. We had the yes. penultimate episode, so we have got the season and series finale coming up this Sunday, and we had Logan Roy's funeral this past weekend, Dad. What stuck out to you most about paying uh, our homage, if you will, to maybe the most important character of the series? Well, I mean, Roman just completely falling apart when in the beginning <laughs> of it, he was going over his speech as he was getting dressed. He thought he was going to be the man. I'm the most like Logan. And then completely fell apart up there in the microphone and Ken had to take control of that one before Shiv went up there. That was, that was amazing to watch him falter uh, the way he did. I'll say about this show, I love this show. And, and one of the unique things to me is, is there is not one redeemable character. There is not one character you fell in love with from a good side to say, man, that is a good person. I hope good things happen to them. They are all wretched people. Yet, it's a fantastic series. It's, ju it's just a fantastic series, and I can't wait 
to see who is going to end up getting control of the company now that Shiv is against her two brothers, Kendall and Roman, going for, you know, the company here. Yeah, so this is where it sets up is we have all of these monsters jockeying for power during their yes. father's funeral. Between this and Ted Lasso, an incredible weekend for mistresses taking back the power in this situation. You had Marsha, Logan's first wife, and both of the secretaries that were each their uh, mistresses all sitting together in the pews, all yeah. united to basically come and remember, maybe tap dance on Logan's grave a little bit. You had more of that getting ready and building up for the finale of Ted Lasso too but dad everyone jockeying for position you mentioned Roman starts off feeling like he's the man pushing around Kendall acting like he's the one by the end of the episode that dynamics flipped we've got Kendall back in the driver's seat on one side now controlling Roman again starting to rally the troops and then you've got Shiv everybody with the Gojo deal on the other side taking control getting the meeting with the president there at the end of this as we go in who do you think ultimately wins out in a show that seems to have nothing but losers? I, I, it has to be something I'm not thinking of, right? I mean, when I saw Logan a couple episodes ago dying on the plane or being talked about dying on the plane, but they weren't showing him, I thought he was, wasn't really dying. I thought it was a test for the kids. So it's tough to figure out what's happening. I know it. I sure as hell ain't going to be Roman. I mean, there, I mean, the dude, dude was playing clips of him. Uh, from the funeral that we're already going out on the internet, and he's losing his mind at the end, running into the crowd that's that's uh, picketing ATN. I mean, it ain't going to be him. But it would not shock me if it was neither Kendall nor Shiv in this one and somebody else, and all the kids end up getting shut out of this thing. Yeah, it would be great to see it be Connor somehow. Fresh off losing a presidential Connor. nomination. Yeah. I'm rooting for Connor or Frank and Jerry as the combination there. Yeah. All of the side <laughs> team watchdogs finally getting to take the mantle for this. Either way, can't wait. Check it out on Max. It's going to be uh, incredible. The end of one of the best seasons and best shows of prestige television yeah. history by far. Uh, Dad, let's get to that. This one, uh, another step in the saga surrounding John Morant yesterday that got a little bit scary. Police in Tennessee conducted a welfare check on Grizzly star John Morant following some cryptic messages on his Instagram account where he posted and then deleted messages and pictures saying, love you, Ma, with a picture of his mother, love you, Pops, and a picture of his dad, you the greatest baby girl in the picture of his daughter, followed by a slate that just said bye. Now, John Morant told apparently that he is just, uh, officials told ESPN he's just taking a break from social media but dad this is a good reminder that this situation was always about the well-being of John Morant who's doing yeah. things that clearly indicate someone's kind of reaching out for attention for some reason that might be deeper than what we've seen you know and we're in the day and age where we rightfully so care about that now right I mean before all the social media where you got to know players more it was just Fans saw them as robots on their field of play, and that was it. That's all you knew about them. Now you get to know so much more about them and see them out of their sport as well. And the mental side, the mental health side, has come out a lot more in this. And when you read something like that, because you think to yourself, well, he can call his mom and dad or baby girl anytime, right? Or he could talk to his parents certainly anytime. Why would he say this on social media and then say bye? I would, I would have been like, whoa as well and that's why there was a health check on him and he did say he was just getting off social media but th this is a guy who you know and again when you get in that position 
where sometimes you say, I don't need help or I don't want help or I don't, you know, I'm fine. It took a couple of players. I mean, it was a few years ago with Kevin Love, right? I think he was one of the first yeah. ones that had talked about the mental health side and seeking help and such. And that's been a big thing about it, certainly in my era and before, is you never wanted to ask for it. You always kept that deep down inside in places that nobody talked about in parties. If you had any kind of mental health issues, you just dealt with it. Well, that's changed, and it's changed for the better now. So I, I hope whatever is going on with him, he's 23 years old. Dude's got a hell of a long life to go even after football is over. So you hope everything gets squared away, but it, it definitely looks like he needs some help in this situation. Well, and like this, even something that may have been as simple as a guy putting some posts up before he takes a break from social media, when we know the background, and it's always been about the sum total of everything that's gone on with John Morant, it is a cause for worry. And I'm glad our antennas are up. I'm glad we're not waiting around still for the worst possible thing to happen and that there's people. So hopefully the people close to him, people as a part of the Grizzlies team, are also attentive to this stuff because, like we said, this wasn't going to get fixed in some short-term window as they tried to rush him back to basketball during the regular season and into the postseason. Now there's got to be actual work that's getting done and we don't know and maybe we shouldn't know if that's happening but you do hope it is especially if this is someone that's going to try and continue to play basketball and have to deal with all of the stressors that come with that kind of like we talked about around the Kyrie Irving situation uh so dad let's move on and let's get to the third here sad news uh for the world at large yesterday uh in the world of pop culture especially Tina Turner passes away at the age of 83, according to her representation, after a long battle with illness. Dad, uh, she was an absolute star, the queen of rock and roll across four different decades yep. with some of the biggest hits known to man. And this is a massive loss, someone who influenced so many people, so many different artists along the way and left an indelible mark on the world. So many great songs, over 100 million albums sold. Um, her first album came out in 1958. And she had so many great songs out there, so many top Billboard songs out there. Two-time Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. One time she went in in 91 with her husband, Ike Turner. Uh, and then uh, in 21, 2021, she went in as a solo artist. She was also in Mad Max Thunderdrome. So that's very cool because I love you know, Mad Max. So she was, she was in that. I dug her in that as well. First woman and black artist on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. I mean, that's the, and Rolling Stone magazine before everything that we see now. Rolling Stone magazine was it in the entertainment business. I mean, that was that was the uh, what everybody looked at. And she was, again, first black artist and woman to be on the cover of that. So an incredible career, an incredibly distinctive voice as well. And we'll be remembered for all time, just as she should, especially in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Absolutely. I'll always love to see the way two all-time artists are sort of introduced to new generations. And for everyone that's a fan of Bleeps Creek, the show's name that I can't say on air, who saw yeah. that song the best turned into one of the most important plot elements, a whole new group of people, younger people, got to meet Tina Turner in a way that now can continue to be part of that legacy. Uh, we appreciate everyone hanging out with us today. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review. Check us out on YouTube. We'll see you tomorrow. Boom. Money in the bank.